0: Welcome to Divine Generations Church where, where we reveal the truest intentions of God as a father. We don't put that out there enough. At Divine Generations Church, we reveal the truest intentions of God as a father. Amen? Amen. Amen. There's no reason for him to create this planet just so we can worship God it's bigger than that. There's no need for him to create this planet so we can hand, give hand claps to Jesus. It's bigger than that. Amen? Amen. You have to understand that God wanted to be a father. That's the whole purpose of him saying, let there be light. That's the whole purpose of him creating the heavens and the earth. That's the whole purpose of him creating man, putting man here is because he wanted to be a father. The first thing he said about man, let me. No, I said that wrong. Let us. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them dominate what I just created. That's the plan. He made us like him, Adam, And the plan was for us to dominate the world with his DNA. Adam fell. Jesus came to redeem that. Amen? Amen? Okay. Adam fell. Jesus came to redeem that. He didn't come to redeem your hand clap. I'm sorry. He didn't, he he didn't come to redeem a worship service. He didn't send his son to the cross so we can just have a worship service. After the worship is done, he's looking for a child. He's looking for an obedient child. He's looking for sons and daughters that he can make just like him. He gave us his DNA. What is greater than that? Y'all ain't excited. Y'all ain't convinced. I teach, I teach 24 hours straight on that. I need you convinced, because, as we go forth and do the ministry of reconciliation, you got to tell somebody for what he's done for you, where he's brought you from, who he is to you, because of his sacrifice, what's in you now. Do you know that the DNA of God is in you? I know the church, you, the church world don't like to say this too often, because we are God's. It's in us. The problem is we don't believe. We're almost there. We're building a divine generation. Sons and daughters. He said he made us a royal priesthood. He did that. That ain't something he said, sign up for this class. Take this class on royal priesthood so you can become one. No, I made you. You are light. You are soft. He's telling you what he's already deposited there. It's not a thing, well, I'm going to do this. I've already done it. But you got to believe. You got to walk therein. So we're going to deviate from the teaching, the uh, uh, snapshots of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to do a Father's Day message. Okay? We're going to do a Father's Day message. Because Abba is so great. So the title of our teaching on today is called Permission to Engage. Now, permission to engage. The significance of this Teaching is that we then always have permission to engage. It was a point in time where we could not engage. It was a point in time where they had to talk to Moses and Moses talked to God. It was a point in time where it was a certain group of people that he would talk to and a certain group of people he wouldn't talk to. But the Bible says that by him tearing the veil from the top down, that it opened up the curtains. The veil has been opened, and now we can communicate with him. You don't have to talk to me to talk to him. He's given us permission to engage. And because he's given us permission to engage, we ought to engage with the mindset that this was this is an opportunity to get closer to him. Our Father is a what? A consuming fire. We should participate and, and, and engage as if our life depends on it. As if our life depends on this relationship. The closer you get to this relationship, He releases things to you. He releases his, your destiny. He releases your purpose. He releases your inheritance. But if you never engage, you never get it. Jesus didn't say pray just to be saying pray. <laughs> Jesus didn't say that the Father was seeking worshipers just to be saying he's seeking worshipers. Jesus didn't say ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. knocking the door will be open so you can sit back with your indifferent self and not say nothing. You have permission to engage. But remember, at one point in time, you didn't have permission. You couldn't. Your voice didn't even matter. The Gentile woman came up to Jesus. I just want my daughter healed. Hold on. Ain't got nothing to do with that. It ain't your time yet. And what he said to her was so rude. I was... Can we say that, Lord? (laughs) He told her. He said, look, it ain't good to feed the children's bread to dogs. Once upon a time, you were a dog. I know y'all don't like to hear that, but I must provoke you to engage. Not just here, because like I tell you, whatever you do at home, you'll, you'll do here. All right, okay, I'm picking. My fault, my bad. Just get to the word. Got you. <laughs> well, that was the word, okay. So, on Father's Day, I want to encourage you to engage in this relationship with your Heavenly Father. By this time next year, nope, 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 we don't give you that much time. By this time next week, the relationship should be stronger. Okay, every day your relationship should be getting stronger and stronger and stronger. It shouldn't take you that long to enter into the spirit if you've been engaging every day. You know why it takes us forever to get into the presence? Because we don't do it often. We don't see a need for it. So on this Father's Day, I want to give you permission to engage. While doing that, I want to reveal the Father's intentions to you through Scripture. Okay, so we're going to use the Scripture to show you that the Father wants you to engage. Y'all ready? Okay, we're going to start off in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 17. But at the beginning of chapter 5, Jesus starts to teach on the Mount. And he starts to teach the Beatitudes. The attitudes to be, the attitudes that you would need to have in order to receive blessings. He began to teach that. Then he started to teach them that they were light and salt. Then he went into what we're about to read now, the fulfillment of the law. And in verse 17, he said, don't think that I came to abolish the law, the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Okay, I came to fulfill. I didn't come to abolish. I came to fulfill. Amen. Verse 18, he says, for truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter would pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Now, when he speaks about all things being accomplished, he's not talking about things that were said on earth. He's talking about the things that were said in heaven before the foundation of the world. The Bible tells us that we are not under the law, but we are under grace. If you're not under something, that means it can't lord over you. But then Jesus So, so with this, what Jesus is telling us is that the predestined plan of Abba will be accomplished. That's why in the scriptures, it says that he predestined us to adoption. He predestined us to be sons and daughters. He predestined us to have the kingdom. He predetermined that we would have a new birth, that we would be his children. And what Jesus is saying right here, it says, uh, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things, all things are accomplished. So you have to understand that he wanted you to have this relationship more than you want to have it. He wants you to have this life more than you want this life. Okay, now what Jesus is doing here, because he has a task right now. He has a task to come here and to start a reform ministry. This is is the first apostolic ministry. Jesus was. He's about to reform because he's coming with a kingdom. Prior to that, there was no kingdom for us. But he's coming now to bring a kingdom. He's coming now to bring a relationship. And because he's coming to bring a relationship for those who are to answer to the new covenant, He has to let us know that, look, it's a difference between you and people of the Old Covenant. Okay, let me say this. No one in the Old Testament, nobody in the Old Testament, nobody under the Old Covenant, under Abraham, had the privilege of calling God a father. Nobody. Adam was the first, Jesus was the next. That's why you had the first Adam and the last Adam. Y'all with me? Y'all tracking? Okay, let's get into it. Now, Jesus is preparing us to step into his life and engage the father. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is preparing us to step into his life and engage his father. Jesus did not come so we can worship him. He came so we can worship his father and have his life, the same relationship that he had with the father he wanted you to have permission to engage he's giving you permission to engage so he starts off in and uh and i'm gonna skip around here he starts off in matthew 5 and 21 and and it was strange to me when i was reading this he says you have heard that it was said to our ancestors pay attention do not murder and whoever murders will be subject to judgment but I tell you, you see the difference? It was said to our ancestors one thing, but now I'm telling you, we no longer do it like the ancestors were told. See, you have to study the scriptures. You have to study to show yourself approved. Okay, because he already approved for us to engage him, but the studying is what approves you. Okay, you have to know that you can engage him and you have to know through scriptures what he said belongs to you, because that's the only thing you can take to him. So he says, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says you fool. Will be subject to hell fire. What is he doing? He's telling them about anger, but he's saying in the Old Testament, though in the, with the ancestors, we said do not murder. So it was a physical killing. But he's saying now, if your heart even set on thinking negative about your brothers and sisters, it's murder. Why is he doing that? Why now? Because You are about to receive his DNA and upon receiving his DNA, you are now been chosen to bear his name. And so we are no longer under the law, the Ten Commandments. We are no longer under the ceremonial covenants, the ceremonial laws. Now the law becomes us representing his name. So what's right is what he would do in his household. And so first he does that with anger. Next, he does it with adultery. He says, have you heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you. So in the Old Testament, you had to be caught in the physical act. He said, but now I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. Why? Because we are chose to engage and bear his name. He's given us permission to engage. He's setting us up because he's letting us know that once you get on this side, you have to think according to his kingdom. You have to think according to his household. We can't say that he's our father, but then don't do what he tell us. The scripture said when we do that, we become bastards. So he did it with anger. Then he did it with adultery. Then he did it with divorce. He said, it was also said, whoever divorces, Matthew 5 and 31. He says, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. But I tell you. But I tell you. Then he did it again with vows. He says, verse 33, he says, again. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, because it is God's throne. But the point I want you to want you to see is he's differentiating. He's separating those who are of the old covenant to the new covenant. Why? Because we have been given permission to engage him. We are are now being given permission. Jesus' ministry was to show us what a real son of God looks like because we had never seen one. Adam was here all of one day and messed it up. So now he has to come and show us what is expected of us, even in revenge. Verse 38, he says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, it's getting tough in here now, but I tell you, so I said some stuff to the Old Testament, the children of Israel, but disregard what I said to them and listen what I'm telling you. You know when your kid come home, talking about what the other kid's doing. What did I tell you? When they get to go here, I don't care. I'm not their parent. That's why... The, mm, mm. In certain places, Satan will let you go because he's your father, but your heavenly father would not let you go there. And under his voice, you, you will hear a no. But you reject the no because you want to do what you want to do. Amen? Y'all know how it is, if, especially if you got kids. My daughter came to me, telling me they going to the pool, so. Is there any adults down there? Nope, well, you can't go. But they going, and they going, and they I don't care. You're my child. And so this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is setting us up because he's giving us permission to engage. Amen? Amen? He said, but I tell you, do not resist the evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. It's a difference, huh? Some of y'all want to go back to the Old Testament. You hit me, I hit you. You said something to me, I say something to you. Jesus said, don't exchange evil for evil, but exchange evil for good. Why? Because who your father is. Because who your father is, yeah, it's tough. I know it's tough. They get to be evil towards you, but you got to be good to them. (laughs) They get to lie on you, but you got to tell the truth on them. They get to shine you, but you got to love them. Permission to engage. He wants us to engage in this relationship, but engaging in this relationship means this. You have to become like him. That's the target. There's no reason for us to engage with him unless we're trying to become like him. That's why most people don't engage because they don't want to be like him. They don't want a heavenly father. We want to do things our way. Y'all seem like y'all not saved. Y'all good today? Verse 43. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your enemies and love your neighbors and hate your enemies. He said, you heard that. They said that. That was a thing. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies (laughs) and pray for those who persecute you. Why? Verse 45, why? All together, loud. Let me hear y'all. So everything that he's telling them to do, he's everything he's telling us to do is so that we can be identified as his children. Now, we can accept this from Jesus because he came right from the household. We can accept this from him. This is his mission. He said he came to seek and save that which was lost. What was, was lost? The children, the relationship, and the kingdom. So he said, verse 45 said, so that you may be children of your father in heaven. All of this is so that we can be children of our father in heaven. It says, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? So he said dogs even... <laughs> they, they greet one another like that. He said that this is how the unbelievers the unbelievers do this stuff. It ain't love. Love has not been tested until you run into somebody who who doesn't have love to return. You don't know if you have love until you run into somebody who has nothing to give you back. You don't know if you have love until somebody do you wrong. You can say I love you But the love will be tested. That's the purpose of community. The purpose of community is so somebody can step on your toes and you can see where you are. So the preacher can say something you don't like. So your brothers and sisters can rub you the wrong way and you can see how you react. This is the purpose of the community. Amen. <laughs> Woo. Verse 48. He says, be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. So what is all this? This is an invitation to engage. He said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That'll make you nervous. He, he's given us permission to engage. Permission to engage. He's authorizing us to talk to his heavenly father. He's letting us know that this is what is going down right now. You need to engage with your heavenly father. Amen? Now, permission is consent. It's authorization. How many of y'all remember uh, going to school, you had to have a permission slip and you leave yours at school and You come back the next day and your teacher said, what happened? I forgot you ain't going. You need a permission slip to go. That's what the scriptures are. The scriptures are a permission slip for you to engage the father. It's the only thing that we have that lets us know that we can come into this relationship comfortably. I told you, look, I almost got off track for a second. Father reel me back in. He said, I told you, reveal the truest intentions of me as a father. I don't care what nobody else is doing. Give them the relationship. they get everything else. We can do classes on healing. We can do classes on miracles. Okay? We can do classes on prosperity. We can do classes on finances. Because the thing I notice in the church is that everybody don't need to be healed. Everybody don't need a miracle. Everybody don't need a a devil cast out of them. Some people, some people come to church with money. So they now come to church looking for prosperity. But the one thing that everybody needs is this relationship. That's the one thing that everybody needs. They need this relationship. They need to surrender themselves as children, understand that he is their father so that they can grow. Until you enter into this relationship, you can't grow. I didn't say till you start coming to church. Until you enter into the relationship, until you recognize him as a father, you as a child, there's no growth there. There's no growth there. That's why he says be perfect. Be perfect. Being perfect is is not doing everything right. Being perfect is knowing your position. When a newborn baby is born, they're perfect. (laughs) We mess them up. (laughs) He said be perfect. Just know that you are his child. Focus on being his child. Be perfect. Mm. So, now, before we go into the next part, the Old Testament engagement was to keep order. The New Testament engagement is to create the family life. All right? That's why... Soon as you get into the next chapter, the first thing, no, not the next chapter. Soon as you get into the next scripture, the first thing that Jesus started talking about is practicing righteousness. So he went from the Beatitudes to teaching us that we were light, that we were salt, to letting us know, to to teaching us about the fulfillment of the law, to letting us know that, look, I talked to the Old Testament a certain way, but now I'm going to speak to you a different way. Soon as that was over with, the next thing he did was start teaching them about prayer, about fasting, and about giving. Why? Because he's given us permission to engage. I wish that we could get a relational conversation when we read scripture. We read scripture as if it is law. Do y'all know the Bible is so powerful? This Bible is powerful. It is a a spiritual document. It is so powerful that that whatever state your mind is in, whatever state your mind is in, and you read it, You will gravitate to that. If you're legalistic, you can read this Bible and get all type of law out of it. You can argue somebody up and down that they should be under the law if you read this Bible under legalistic. If you read it apostolic, if you read it denominationally, all you will see in those scriptures is what your denomination teach you. I was there, walk around telling everybody we got the truth. Broken the Ten Commandments. However, you read if you read the, if you read it, hurt you will see. However, you your mindset is that's why the Bible says you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the only way you can be transformed to is from a slave to a son. What other transformation can you get? You can't go from a sinner to a saint, no. (laughs) A saint just simply means you are chosen by him to be a part of his elect. The life of being saved is coming into the family. The Bible said that he rescued us out of the domains of darkness and brought us into his family, brought us into a kingdom. We're not seeing it through relationship. We're seeing it through legalism. We're seeing it through through the eyes of servants. We're looking more about how do we need to serve God. That's not God's agenda. God's agenda is not get us to serve him. It's become his children, grow up, and co-labor. That's not his goal. His goal is not just to have us around the altar telling him how great he is. No, you don't have a relationship. I want y'all to hear me. You don't have a relationship, at least it's not authentic, until you hear him encouraging you. You don't have a relationship until you hear him telling you he loves you. There's no relationship there. Because it's strange how you can hear him tell you you are wrong. It's strange how condemnation come quick. But you can do everything right and do one thing wrong and you hear God. You didn't hear him when you was doing everything right? So you just heard him when you was doing the wrong stuff. That's where we are in the church world today. We don't hear a father. We hear a Lord. And Lord just simply means somebody owns us, which puts us in the mind of a slave. But that's not really what lordship is all about. Lordship is about him owning us, but because he owns us, he's not responsible for our destiny. Ephesians chapter two. I'm just going to read through these. I'm going to... Because the scriptures speak to yourself, but what I want you to do is I want you to get a a relational aspect of scripture. When you read scripture, you have to hear a father talking to you. You have to. You can't hear a preacher. You can't hear a judge. You can't just hear God speaking to you. You have to hear a father talking to you. He's given us permission to engage, but the reason why we don't engage is because we look at our rinky-dink life, we look at everything that we've done wrong, and when you compile all of that, you don't even want to have no conversation with him. And then the church tell you you ain't worthy. Where in the Bible did the Father say we were not worthy? We said, I'm not worthy. It's said, okay, <laughs> you said it, I didn't if we weren't worthy, why would he send his son? Who gives their son up for people who are not worthy? Worthy means worth it. (laughs) Who gives their only child to people who ain't worth it? That doesn't even make you feel right. You know, (laughs) it's just, I mean, you can't mix that with love. He has unconditional love an inseparable love, perfect love, love that'll make you that uh, the Bible says that his perfect love makes you lose fear. And then they go tell us you don't deserve grace. Huh? Mixed messages. No wonder the church bipolar. (laughs) You can praise and worship until you make a mistake. Then your hands get heavy. Your feet get heavy. Your tongue get heavy. Lips get heavy. Everything just get heavy. All of a sudden, why? Because you're not in the relationship. You will be correction, corrected. corrected correction is a part of love. You will be instructed. You will be rebuked. That's all a part of parenting. How many of y'all got out of your childhood without a whooping? Come on now. That's the gospel. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. Now now in these passages of Scripture, Paul is explaining them to them how they were dead and been brought to life. Now, why would he bring us to life to engage? Why would he give us life because he wanted us to live? Why would he give us eternal life? Why would he say we're not worthy, but he want to be with us forever, Serena? Why would you give eternal life to some people that you don't that's not worthy? Y'all better stop listening to these crazy preachers. Verse one, it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Talking about us. Amen. He says, in which you previously, previously lived according to the ways of the world. Y'all remember that? Okay, no, I don't, whatever. <laughs> according to the ruler of the power of the air. You remember Satan was controlling your mind? He had your heart. He had your emotions. He had your agenda. He had all of that. You remember? Stop acting up. Okay. The spirit now working in the disobedient. So it's still out there happening. You know that you're not on that side because of the way you now conduct yourself. That's why he started off saying and you were dead. But you've been resurrected. Verse 3. He said, we too, all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires. Y'all remember that too, right? Uh, Carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. He's talking about us in our past. Before we came to the kingdom, before we left the orphanage, before we became his children. He's describing us. Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he has for us, made us alive with Christ. Why would he do that? Because he wants us to engage. Why is he giving us permission? Not, why is he making us alive when we were once dead? Because he wants a relationship. I have to show y'all continuously all oh, this is for the relationship. All of this, everything that he is doing is because he wants you to be his child. Amen. He says, but God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in our trespasses, you are saved by grace. Verse six, he also raised us up. Why did he raise us up? So we can engage In this relationship he also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in christ jesus now why is he doing all of this permission to engage i am what i'm trying to do is provoke you to prayer i'm trying to provoke you to worship I'm trying to provoke you to, to, to living this life because at once upon a time, we couldn't. That's why you have the first Adam and then you have the last Adam because he's letting you know with the last Adam, if y'all don't get it this time, ain't the most sacrifice. Ain't the more sacrifice. I gave the last Adam. He didn't say the second Adam. I gave the last Adam. The first Adam was a blueprint. The second Adam was the original copy of the blueprints. The first Adam was a copy of the blueprints. The last Adam is the original copy. He letting you know if, if you mess this up, I, ain't got, I don't have another sacrifice for you. I don't have another savior. I don't have another son. I don't have another cross. So because of that, Engage. Take the relationship serious. Verse 7. Marie, verse 6, it says, He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through, the, through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Do y'all see this? See, <laughs> y'all want to go back to being Catholic. I'm cool with that. Y'all want to go back to throwing up Hail Marys and being in purgatory? Y'all sure? Verse 8. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift. It is God's gift. Verse 9. Not from works so that no one can boast. The Bible says that we've been born again, but he says we haven't been born of the will of man. But of the will of God. So the whole new birth is all him. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do this is why I told you the Holy Spirit rests on anything that is that is created in Christ that's the job of the Holy Spirit is to rest on anything that is created in Christ verse 11 mm. Mm. verse 11 so then remember what does remember mean don't forget <laughs> what does remember mean? Don't forget. So, what he's about to say, don't forget this. Don't you hate when somebody asks you to remember something and you got a whole lot of other stuff going on? My wife do this to me all the time. She said, Remind me to do this and this and this and that. I say, Okay. I turn around two seconds later to see her and I say, Remind me to remind you. <laughs> He said, so then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh. What does that mean? You couldn't engage. Jesus said about the Gentiles, they don't, they didn't know God. So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. Verse 12, this is where I want you to pay attention. It says, at that time, you are without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. He said, Don't forget this. Don't forget it. At one time, you were without Christ. You couldn't get you you weren't a part of a body. He said, at one time, you were excluded from citizenship, meaning what? You didn't have rights. He said you were foreigners to the covenants of the promise, meaning the promises were right there, but they just weren't for you. Then he says you are without hope. So even if you wanted to be better, you could. (laughs) not Remember this. He says you are without hope and you are without God. But this is the killer in the world. In the world. No Christ, no covenant, no citizenship, no hope, No God connected to the world. You couldn't engage. If you lift your hands, it didn't even matter. If you spoke in tongues, it was just gibberish. It didn't do nothing. If you gave, it didn't matter. (laughs) It didn't matter if you showed up to the synagogue. What could happen? He's telling us, remember this, remember this. Don't forget when you were lost. Verse 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You were far away. You couldn't get close to him. Now, according to the scriptures, you've been brought close. Why? Why? For a relationship. Why? Because he wants to know you. Why? Because he has given you a predestined purpose and he wants you to have it. It's going to get to you. It's going to get to you. It's bigger than you just saying, Jesus, I love you. It's a second by second, minute by minute relationship. It's bigger than you saying hallelujah. This is something you need to engage every day when you get up because you didn't have it. It was a time where people couldn't. Even when you see the wall of faith, it talks about all of the great exploits that they did, all of the great exploits that they accomplished. And then at the end, they all died, having not received the promise. Bible says some of them was boiled in oil. Some of them had their head chopped off. So he brought us near so that we can engage in this relationship. So that we can engage in this relationship. Romans 8.15 says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption whereby you can cry, Abba, Father. Why Paul saying this? Because it was a point in time where you could not cry, Abba, Father. Paul is telling us to cry for this reason. Look, he's telling us to cry because now our cry means something. There was a time where you couldn't cry. Crying didn't mean anything. It was just tears hitting the ground. Now the Bible says that he stores them up in vows, keeps them in golden bowls in heaven. You got to engage. He's giving you permission to engage. Imagine if you couldn't pray. Imagine if you couldn't worship. Imagine if you went to talk to him and you couldn't get that presence. You know how it is. Don't sometimes you feel like where, where, where he at? Well, you only feel like that because he drew near to you and you know how it feel. And sometimes I think he does this, Manushka. I think sometimes he takes away his presence to see how bad you want it back. I think he, he removes it from you so he can see, are you addicted to it yet? Do you want to be in his presence? Ephesians 5, one. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly beloved children. So, he's given us permission to engage. Look, he says, as loved children imitate me. So engage as a child, engage as someone who is loved, engage to imitate, which means really he got to give us a visual. I can't imitate something I don't see. He got to show me, which means as I engage the relationship to imitate him, he has to give me what to imitate. Meaning, if he, if he wants me to engage, he has to activate my senses. He has to heighten my awareness of his world. This is permission to engage. I don't know about no other gods, but my father said I have permission to be like him. Watch this. Romans 12:1. Therefore, brothers and sisters, In view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing and his perfect will. Now, if he wants me to be transformed, if he wants my mind to be transformed, then he has a supply of things it's going to take to do that. Which means I'm going to need time. (laughs) I'm going to need you to be a little patient with me. I keep telling y'all, this is his plan. The reason we fail at this life, because we think it's ours. This is his plan. We were doing the ministry card, ministering cards. Uh, They should be here Wednesday. And on the back of the card, I just put Your destiny is in your heavenly father's hands, not yours. Everybody needs to know that and understand that your destiny is not in your hands. It was created by him for you. So if he's telling you to train to have your mind transformed. Watch this. He wants you to transform your mind. He wants your mind to be transformed and he wants it to be renewed. So according to the scripture, you can discern. (laughs) You can discern. Until my mind is transformed, I can't discern what is good. I can't discern what is pleasing. I can't even discern what is acceptable to him. So we're going to need time and we're going to need patience. That's why the scripture says this, that it is God who works in you. It is God who works in you his will, and to do his good pleasure. It is God who works that in you. So if it's God that works in you, his will, and to do his good pleasure, that means you're going to have to engage because he has the work. He wants to put it in you, but you have to engage in order to make it happen. Look at your day. This is what I want you to do. You can start Monday. You can start Tuesday. But what I want you to do is this. I want you to look at. I want you to document every hour of your day because I want you to see the time you are wasting. Engaging everybody else. But the person who has your destiny. And Satan is. Satan will keep you busy. He will keep you busy doing stuff that has nothing to do with your destiny, nothing to do with your purpose, nothing to do with your assignment. He will keep you busy because his agenda is this. Keep them from engaging the father as long as can. I keep telling y'all he's jealous of that relationship. He's authentically jealous of that relationship. He was there when he was there when the father said, you know what I'm about to do? I'm about to create some beings that are just like me. I'm about to give them a kingdom, and I'm about to give them a planet to rule. And Satan like, "No, you're not, why are you going to do that? Okay, since you're going to do that, I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to establish my kingdom, my throne above yours. The whole conflict happened because of the position you have. And so I'm telling you, from this day forward, the rest of your life, Satan is going to try to make you uncomfortable in this relationship. He's going to try to make you doubt this relationship. He's going to try to make you doubt your father's love, doubt that he's going to come through for you. you. He give you a vision of this great business, all these things that you're going to be, and then all Satan does is feed you. it can't happen. You know what the problem is? Why are you receiving it? You're not engaging. You're not engaging. You have to engage like someone who wants their destiny. Second Peter, 1 and 1. I got 10 minutes. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 2, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So, let's just say this. You're not engaging. What are you missing? Grace and peace multiplied. Let's say you won't read the scriptures because the Bible said the scripture says that grace and peace is multiplied through knowledge. So you only have as much grace and peace as knowledge. Whatever you know about the scriptures is a level of grace and peace that you walk in. This is why he does not want you to read that word. Because the more you read the word, grace and peace is multiplied to you. He didn't say add it. He said multiply. Why is that? Because the more you understand about his purpose, as more you understand about the predestined promises on your life, you get peace. It's just a peace that you have when you understand who he is to you. The more you understand who he is to you, a grace comes on you. Why? Because grace comes the more you humble yourself. The reason why the church lacks humility is because we're here to worship Jesus, but we're not here to have a father. Which is the only reason why Jesus came. So Jesus came so that we could have a father, but that's the last thing we hear across the, the landscape of the church. And you wonder why we have so many atheists. We have atheists not because they don't believe in God. It's because they don't believe in your story, your representation of God. They don't believe in the blind hair eyes with the blind hair man with the blue eyes. They don't believe in that. What well, the thing about it is Jesus didn't come to give us that. There's no scripture in the Bible where Jesus said, I want y'all to worship me. Every scripture, Jesus pointed us to his father. He always pointed us to his father. Pray to the father. Worship the father. When you give, the father going to reward you. Hit the secret place. When you there, when you get into the secret place, the father going to be there. He didn't say I'm going to be there. He didn't say the Holy Spirit was going to be there. He didn't say your cousin John John was going to be there. All he said was do it and a father would reward you. Everything that he did, he referred back to his father. He talked about the relationship more than anything. You know, somebody called me the other day and said that faith is in the Bible more than anything. My next question was faith in what? Because you can have faith in prosperity. You can have faith in healing. Do you know you can get healing without knowing the Father and the relationship? Do you know you can get a demon cast out of you without coming to church? I'm sorry. They called Jesus, the Pharisees called Jesus the prince of Beelzebub. They said he was casting out demons by Beelzebub, right? Right? Ain't that what they said? Jesus said, well, if that's the case, then what about your people? They cast out devils too. Who are they casting it out by? What is that telling us? That the Pharisees was casting out devils before Jesus got on the scene. So casting out devils ain't a relational thing. Prophecy, it ain't a relational thing. That's a gift. The Old Testament people had that. Hmm? Naaman was healed of leprosy in the Old Testament just by getting in some water. I'm just trying to help y'all to see that the relationship is more important than all the rest of this stuff. Jesus told him, he said, look, it's going to be a time where y'all going to say, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out devils in your name? Didn't I do miracles in your name? And he going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. So what was Jesus saying? You can do all that stuff and I don't even know you. You can do all that and I don't know you. But that is the landscape of the church. We think that's what's making him know us. That's what makes him know us. Am I wrong or right? That is the highlight of our ministries. Is that we can do some deliverance? Did somebody big toe grew back? This is the highlight of ministry. When it should be the relationship, it should be the relationship. I was talking to a guy, and and we were talking about the seed hidden the soil, and and the guy. and and, and how a seed can only grow in soil. And the guy said this, a seed can only grow in soil, that's the truth, okay? (laughs) I know you looked at me like it was... (laughs) uh, uh, And so, he said to me that this represents our leader. I said, no, that don't. That represents all of us. Churches... Folks in churches are so blind that they only see the leadership destiny. Y'all can clap. Okay. It's, folks are so blind that they only see the leadership destiny. They don't see their destiny. Churches pack out all day just for the man of God. No. The man of God is here to get you your destiny. The man of God is here to give you the relationship. I'm not here so y'all can serve me. Jesus said the son of man did not come be served, but to serve and give himself as a sacrifice. He came to die so we can get a relationship. He's died on the cross and look at the landscape of the church. No relationship. Second Peter uh, one and two, it says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through knowledge through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus. Verse three, his divine power has given us what? Pay attention. His divine power has given us what? Everything. His divine power has given us everything. Why would he give us everything? Because he wants us to engage. He wants the relationship more than we want it, Chris. So it says his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. He's given us everything we need for life to live, for godliness to become like him. But watch this. But it's through the knowledge. It's through knowledge. So it's available, but if you don't know, you can't retrieve it. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. That's a mouthful right there. Verse four. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature. Escaping corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. So he's given us everything that we need for life, everything that we need for godliness, but it only comes through knowledge. Now, knowledge is just information. Because you have the knowledge don't mean you understand it. Knowledge is just information. So all he's requiring us to do, Ola, is get the information. Just get the information. You need, to re- you need to be able to rehearse his promises the same way you did the Ten Commandments. Get on my nerves. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not remember the Sabbath. What? <laughs> but he said he has given us great and precious promises So that through them, you may share in the divine nature. So all of this stuff he's given us, Kena, is so that we can be partakers, partakers, so that we can partake, so that we can partake, so that we can participate in his divine nature. Everything that you read in this scripture that he has given us, Shemaine, is so that we can become gods. Is that not what it say? Everything that he's given us. One of my favorite scriptures, and I'm about, I'm about to close. One of my favorite scriptures is Romans eight twenty nine through 30. It reads, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. It ain't up there. For, every, for those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Y'all hear this? Everybody that he foreknew, he predetermined that you will conform to the image of his son. You got to hear this in a relational manner. Because he's talking to your heart. He's tugging at you. These ain't sermons that Paul wrote. These are letters to the Gentile to get their mind right. For everybody he foreknow, he predetermined that you will conform to the image of his son so that his son will be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. He predetermined that. And he said everybody that he foreknew, he made that happen. Now, this is the good part. It says, and everybody that he predestined, he called. Everybody he predestined, he called. An invitation. That's an invitation, right? So everybody he predestined, he called. He gave an invitation to him. And then it says, everybody he called... He justified. So if you got the invitation, you accepted the invitation, it made you righteous. Just by accepting the invitation, it made you right with him. It said he justified you. And then he said, Because he justified you, he glorified you. Now, justification called means this that he wanted you and his family. So he gave you an invitation. Now, everybody gets the invitation because he predestined everybody to have it. So he invited us into the family invitation. Then when we came into the family, he said, I just want you to know that because you're in my family, you're right in my eyes. Y'all know y'all child right in your eyes. They can't do nothing wrong. You see some of mothers be, be at court Spare my baby. No, he didn't kill 10 families. What do you mean, spare your baby? (laughs) He shot a phone, liquor stores and robbed a bank. Spare my baby. That's the love of a parent for their child. So he said, if I called you, I justified you. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to glorify you, which means I'm going to make everybody in my world see you as a king. I'm going to make everybody in my world see you as majestic. I made you royalty. Then it goes on to say this. If God be for us, who can be against us? Permission to engage. He's doing everything. What else can he say? (laughs) What else can he say to get your attention? He said, if I gave up my son, if I didn't spare my son, that's how he said it. He said, if I did not spare my son, but delivered him over for you, how much more would I not with him give you all things freely? Freely. Now, now, I could be wrong, But I'm in a room full of black people. And every time, anytime we hear something free, (laughs) anytime we hear something free, free 99, we engage. (laughs) He said he's given us all things freely, all things. All things, not some things, all things freely. Last week, we talked about how Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would minister to us in a way in which he would take everything that belongs to Jesus and minister to us and disclose it to us. Why? I need you to know what is yours so you can engage. If I told you right now, you got a million dollar inheritance, just call this number. You're going to engage if I told you right now, I'm gonna be a little gross. You got a billion dollar engagement, all you gotta do is kiss my shoe. Would you do it? I need to hear you. I need to hear you. Y'all stop playing. Y'all, y'all done, done, look, y'all done, done worse for less. <laughs> they got you working, stop playing. They got you working 40 hours a week at $7 an hour. You won't kiss a shoe to get a billion? Stop playing. (laughs) All things freely unto us. Permission to engage. Permission to engage. Permission to engage. engage. Engage, engage, engage. By definition, it means to induce, to participate. So when you read the scriptures, all he's doing is inducing you to participate. The whole purpose of these, the purpose of these scriptures is to get you to understand and identify the relationship. Go through the scriptures. Just go through. The, I want you to do this study this week. Go through the scriptures and just look at the scriptures where he says, remember. Go through the scriptures where he where it just says, Remember. All of the scriptures in the Bible says remember when it came to the children of Israel. He told the Hebrew church, he says, Remember to engage so that you do not be like them. You know why they were in the wilderness for 40 years? They refused to engage. <laughs> 40 years in the wilderness. cloud by day, fire by night. None of their shoes wore out. They ate manna from heaven. They got quail from heaven. And, all, and every time they ran into a situation, they looked back to Egypt. The whole time, he's just trying to get them engaged. When he ran up on Moses, when he started to talk to Moses, he said, take these children of Israel out, out of Egypt because I want them to be a kingdom of priests to me. I'm going to use them to bring everybody else to me. They failed. Had to kill off a whole generation just to find two people who can go into the promised land. (laughs) And what's in the promised land? A land, watch this, flowing, flowing, flowing. A land where the relationship just flows. It should just flow like milk and honey. It should just flow. You shouldn't struggle to get into the, spirit, into the spirit. You shouldn't struggle to get into his presence. You should be able to walk out your bed right into it. At this point now, that's why I told you, if you participate, you'll grow. If you got a prayer life, it ain't hard to get in his presence. It ain't hard to get in the secret place in public when you've been doing it in private. It's not hard to hear his voice. Because his voice comes with an unction. Your own personal, it's like a fingerprint. It's like a fingerprint. When he speaks to you, you feel something. Am I right? None of us feel the same thing. (laughs) Satan can't, he can't peg it. That's why the only thing he can get you to do is doubt. He can't speak to you like your father speak to you. He ain't got access because of where you seated, because the where you seated, because the where you position, he can't whisper what your father would say to you. But like I tell you before I, in my closing, if you don't hear him encouraging you, if you don't hear him speaking life into you, you need to reevaluate your relationship. You need to reevaluate your relationship. You should not just hear you wrong. That ain't Satan reminding you of everything you did wrong. That's, I mean, when I said I said that wrong, didn't I? That's Satan reminding you of, of, of everything you did wrong. That's not your father. Your father is not gonna sit in your ear and constantly tell you everything that's wrong with you. Amen? He's not. Your father is not gonna tell you Manusha got a problem with you. He that why? Because the way it's gonna make you feel. He's not gonna tell you to dislike somebody. He's not trying to send us to war with one another. Hear your father. Hear his encouraging words. But most of y'all, you better hear him through these scriptures. He's speaking loud and clear. I suggest this. Start with the scriptures in which he's speaking to the Gentiles. Why? Because they didn't know God. All right. And in them not knowing God, he had to break it down to the smallest morsel. He had to break it down to the smallest morsel. So he had to tell them the intricate parts of it. That's why when you read the writings to the Jews, you don't see nothing about, watch this, you don't see nothing about hell when he talked to the Gentiles. That wasn't a goal. Only thing he told them about heaven, your citizenship is there. Amen? Amen? So I just wanted to give you guys a little something to keep you encouraged, okay? I wanted to give you something to provoke you, to provoke you, to provoke you to intimacy. Not just the... No, no, no. You got to dig in. That's why I told you, when you start pray prayer, when you get into... Th- the way to get into the secret place, remember everything he said belongs to you. You want to get in the spirit? Get every scripture that talks about how much he loves you and repeat it to your soul. That's why you can't get in the spirit because what your, your soul condition? Repeat every scripture. His inseparable love, his loving kindness, how he gave his son for you repeat it to yourself his perfect love tell yourself of the love that he has for you the more you do that you can't help but feel spirit you can't help but feel presence you can't help it what we come up short at is we don't know how he thinks about us we don't know how he feels about us and because we don't know that Satan can say anything like I told you if you don't have it it is written Satan will tell you anything Satan can't tell me my father don't love me. <laughs> and it ain't that eros. It ain't phileo. It's that agape, unconditional. It ain't because of what I do right. It ain't because of what I do wrong. It's a love that is just there because I'm his child. Amen? Stand on your feet.